What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's 2021 and everything's different. Everything's fixed, right? Thank God for that magical reset button at New Year's Eve. Uh, man, I really wish that was true. I really, really, really wish that was true. <laughs> but the truth is, uh, we're all on this boat together and we've got to figure out how to not drown each other. So I guess we'll all be working on that. I am happy to say that 2020 uh, did end on a high note for me. I finally graduated magna cum laude, thank you very much, with my bachelor's uh, degree in public relations. Took me four and a half years and uh, I packed up and moved back to Tennessee and um, living out here in uh, the greater Nashville area. I finally escaped only after a foot of snow dumped on me the, the night before I was supposed to move. So I bumped my move a couple of days and the move itself was something to witness. Uh, man, new, moving is just as fun as I remember. <laughs> I'm so uh, grateful more for my friends, Don and my neighbor, John, and my friend, Dan, that helped me pack up my crap. Um, helping somebody move is really the worst. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that anybody on earth cares enough about me that they would be willing to go through all of that uh, on my behalf. There's no, uh, perhaps no greater uh, gift or sign of devotion to a friend uh, to show that you love them by helping them move. In any case, this is like the 24th or the 25th time that I've moved and the third time, the third time that I've moved back to somewhere that I already lived. And, uh, I know I've thrown a lot of shade on the South uh, since moving away when I was living in New Jersey and working in New York, but I'm here to say I want to make the relationship work. Um, that stupid statue of Nathaniel Bedford Forrest who founded the KKK is still here. Uh, but at least since I was here last, somebody paint bombed it with pink paint and also tagged it with the word monster. So that made me feel a little better. But either way, I'm basking in all of the uh, possibly fake Bless your hearts that I can. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if they mean it or not. It just makes me feel good. And I'm happy for the friendly and helpful spirit I'm encountering here that is in stark contrast to the uh, everyone for his or her selfness of my former location. Uh, all that to say, um, it's kind of like the nature channel out here. <laughs> There's a lot of animals and uh, birds and squirrels and cats and deer. Um, it's nice. It's a nice change. And I'm relieved to be uh, starting my new life down here. Um, anyway, back in October of 2019, months before the first wave of the Rona, uh, I had this conversation with my old friend, Tommy. We go back to the 90s and uh, he's one of the most generous, kind, and truly well-meaning people you will ever meet. Uh, when things with the protests were really popping off in uh, his native Minnesota uh, he was right there trying to help connect people with resources and uh, encourage people to uh, help out. And back when we had our original chat, um, uh, he had posted a video on Instagram that sparked this talk, and uh, which you will uh, hear later um, at the end there. Um, in any case, uh, it connected with me listening back to it again. It was just as relevant to me uh, about following your passions. I just loved it. It was a pep talk that I needed and still need. Maybe you will too. And um, 
Anyway, Tommy has played in a bunch of bands and projects, including uh, Small Towns Burn a Little Slower, Robo Sapien, Naive Sense, Cinema Eyes, International Karate, Farewell Continental, so many others. Uh, he's been an active member of the greater Minneapolis music scene for many years. Uh, these days, he's doing rad and innovative work building and repairing guitar effects pedals and having fun with his cats. Um, <laughs> anyway, Tommy is one of the good ones. Uh, since so much time had passed since our first conversation, I did catch back up with Tommy uh, today, actually. And you'll hear that part two of that conversation next week and put it all together. But uh, I'm finally stoked to be able to share this one with all of you. Uh, so let's get to it. It's my honor and a pleasure to introduce to you the unofficial king of Minnesota and the master of soldering iron magic, uh, Tommy Andrew Rabine. Tommy, yes. What's up, dude? Um, here we are. Here, here we are. I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think we uh, first kind of talked like thirty years ago when I was a. Uh, I wrote your band a letter, and uh, yeah, I was gonna say we met through the mail, the U.S. mail. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was in high school and I sent your band a letter, and you, <laughs> you like looked up my phone number and just called just to see how I was how I was doing and I was kind of like oh my gosh this because you know when you're like 16 or whatever yeah bands are people in bands are sort of mythical creatures in a way and then uh this person in the, in the band is just gave me a call just to like see how things were doing and and see uh you know I don't even remember what I wrote but I I must have been in you know, somewhat distressed or something and, 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 and related to the lyrics. Yeah. I feel like you were going through a hard time if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I think, I think you, you tended to, um, write about, you know, the kind of stuff I thought about, which was really interesting in, in that world, in that tooth and nail world or whatever, because, uh, I didn't really feel like I could, you know, I was, I was, I was like a youth group kid and I, I didn't really feel like there were a lot of people I could trust to just go to yeah without it like without it like coming back around and like biting me in the ass or turning like turning turning into gossip in my dumb little community yeah i think there were like some maybe well-intentioned people but you know 
the world's kind of funny and insular and and extremely conservative, and it's just it's just hard to talk to people without it biting you in the ass. Yeah. And so I so I think I reached out to you and uh, and 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 began a a, a long friendship. <laughs> so because we're still here. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. I I think the last time I saw you in person, it's weird. I say this a lot, but it's weird, like the memories that stick in your head for some reason. Okay. Um, But I feel like I can like see myself in one of the tents at Cornerstone talking to you. Like I feel like the last Cornerstone I went to when I was still working at Teeth and Nail. Like I just quit. Is that right? Do you remember that? That's probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's the last time I saw you in person, which that was probably 2002. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, f- I feel like I saw you at some some other thing once after that when I was on tour with somebody. Oh, that's possible. But I can't I can't quite put it all together. I'm sort of I'm sort of blanking <laughs> out, but I feel like I was in this kind of like deleted. Yeah, I was in kind of like this emo pop rock band in the mid 2000s and I feel like we were on tour with someone that you were friends with and I think I I think I might have spoken to you briefly at some like show or festival that we were playing to sounds right but you know that's small that's small towns or that's the sound you're in with the, uh, the band you're in with Justin yeah uh, it might have been either I don't I don't remember <laughs> it's just like yeah, that's all what do you, what do you <laughs> we're killing we're killing everyone right now yeah yeah feel free to <laughs> feel free to edit any of this <laughs> Like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think memory is interesting. I'm, uh, I've done a little bit of studying in college about memory and how memory works and how things get filed away when you're sleeping, like kind of without your permission and just like how your brain based on your own biases will uh, decide what to keep and what to get rid of or what to make you think about. I just think it's fascinating. So, Yeah. In any case. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that stuff's just a big <laughs> blur. Like, I'll remember certain things, but I don't necessarily remember, like, the timeline they happened on or, or where. Do you, you, I guess you know Sally. I do. Grace. Yeah. Yeah. She's been on the show twice. How how do you know her? Sally's a Minneapolis um, person. And, well, she's in Germany now, but. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a few years older than me. So when I kind of started being in bands that were a little bit more serious and. She was in a couple of bands here that were really good. And I remember going to her shows and just thinking like, oh, this band's awesome. And then Sally's very approachable and personable and was somebody, mm-hmm. yeah, you could just talk to after the show and just because that was cool or like, what kind of amp are you using or what? I'll just kind of ask the typical like one-on-one questions because I was trying to get like, I was trying to sound better and like she always sounded really good. So I was just like, what gear are you using? And like how do you write a song and, you know, just trying to like get a little bit, yeah, like, you know, like the younger kid trying to get, trying to get a little bit of wisdom from the kid who's a few years older that you think is cool. Um, so that's kind of how I met Sally. I think that's cool. Just go to some of her shows. Yeah. She's good people. Yeah, totally. Let's go back to, I guess around the time period you were already listening to music by the time I encountered you. So like, what was your, like, what was your earliest kind of connection to music? Yeah. So okay. So I have this. I have an uncle named Brian, and uh, my my grandparents would babysit me, and sometimes Brian would practice in their basement. So I remember going downstairs and kind of 
hiding around the corner and watching his band practice. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, Tommy, you could come in. And, and then they would also like practice in some barn, like very like Kevin Bacon movie style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he would let me tag along and watch his band practices. And, and then he kind of showed me a couple of guitar chords. But I was pretty little. So I, I didn't pick it up. What what kind of music were they playing? They were doing like ZZ Top and Kiss and, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. But yeah, he's he's probably the the person that like really got me into it. And then um, when he had heard that I started playing guitar, he actually like got me uh, an amp. Because he always, I think he hoarded gear a little bit. So <laughs> I think he called me. He's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, dude, I got an amp for you, for your guitar. And then he brought it over and. And so was probably instrumental in getting me playing and just showing me, showing me bands and rock and roll. And then I also have three older brothers. So of course, you know, they're really into their stuff too. Um, When I was little, my older, you know, my oldest brothers were really kind of the classic stuff like, you know, like Van Halen or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I got a little bit older, I have a brother who's three years older than me. So when I got a little bit older and was trying to kind of figure out what kind of music I liked, he was really into like death metal and, you know, he was kind of your stereotypical Hesher with like the dirty fish tanks in his room and Slayer posters. And <laughs> my parents were like, you know, what is this devil shit? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and so I'd, when he wasn't home, I would snoop and listen to his tapes, which was like a huge no-no if I got caught, you know, it was a pounding, but, um, oh boy, a lot of the ta- a pounding, pounding, a lot of the tapes, like I wasn't super into a lot of the death metal stuff i liked some of it but like i I really remember liking entombed and um dri and the accused so he had some kind of some crossover stuff and and i i remember like really really liking dri and really really liking the accused and that stuff was a little bit more punky and had a little bit of sense of humor to it um yeah so that's kind of how i got into into that stuff you know i I'd bring a dri tape to school or something and then <laughs> some older kid would be like oh dude do you like guar and i'm like what's guar you know and so <laughs> i would hitch rides to the cities um with older kids because we lived outside of the city and then minneapolis yeah yeah minneapolis sorry but so anytime you go to a show there's always someone handing out fanzines or like demo tapes or whatever mm-hmm. and i just like ate it up because it was it was just kind of like weird new secret world that I just discovered. And so I was like constantly writing letters to bands like, do you have any more tapes? What are some other bands I should listen to? And so I was, I just started just sending letters and like sending a few bucks in the mail to like all these fanzines and stuff. And then, um, and a lot of times I discovered the people in those bands were like really friendly and cool. And we were like, um, there was one guy in the, in St. Paul, um, who was in a band that I wrote to and he was like, he would actually like make me some tapes and he's like, hey, here's some bands you should check out. I put four songs by each one. And so he would actually send me cassette tapes. And then through him, I, that's, I really got into like bad religion and um, dead Kennedys and a lot of that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of letter writing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was kind of geographically isolated cause I, I did drive and this was kind of pre-internet. I was, I was like a youth group kid and kind of until like, you guys and a few other bands came along. The music was pretty limited. It was like the crucified was pretty good, but then you'd have like a lot of really cheesy stuff. <laughs> I think, I think like you guys and, and kind of that early wave of uh, the tooth and nail was really good. Cause I was, I was kind of uh, 
Sorry, she's really distracting me. I'm going to have to kick her out. Hold, hold on. <laughs> have you always been a cat person? Did you have cats growing up? Uh, cats and dogs. I, I, I love them both equally. Um, yeah. Our living situation would make it kind of challenging to have a dog, uh, but uh, we do have two cats, and, and I absolutely love them to death. <laughs> Well, yeah, your your Instagram is circuits and kittens. So. <laughs> yeah, if you if you search if you search by the way on the internet as I did, uh, doing a little bit of research before our conversation just to refresh my memory of your various uh, musical things and whatnot. There, have you seen the other guy? Have you seen the other Tommy Rabine? I've been messaged by a couple of them. There's there's one that likes to um, tag me and things as kind of a joke. So. Oh, he yeah. seems kind of fun. Maybe he's, I think he's in Germany. So maybe someday if I get over there, I'll meet him and I'll go say hi to, to Sally. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. This one photo of this one guy, he, he looks like um, the main character's older brother from Weird Science. Like he's got like a flat top haircut <laughs> and a very serious, intense look on his face. That's Instagram.com slash Tommy Rabine. Everyone, oh, nice. If you want to just look that up. He's got uh, 23 followers, but he looks like maybe he was a drill sergeant in a former life or something. So, so this guy is probably the, the uh, you know, complete opposite <laughs> of you in most every way, I would imagine. There's another one out there. And it's all photos of a dude riding like three wheelers and ATVs and stuff. And he's and he has, <laughs> has kind of like a curly mullet. And he seems he's, he nice. seems really fun, you know. I I I'm not gonna. <laughs> he seems he fun. seems fun. I I think he just likes his Coors Light and his and his and jumping three wheelers, you know. Like nothing. Go for it, man. It's, well, as long as you're not combining those activities, like go for it. Yeah, maybe don't combine. <laughs> <laughs> um. I am still kind of waking up here a little bit, so f so feel free to edit my mumbles. But uh, oh, I'll, tr I'll try not. I'll try not to be too self conscious here. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, all I want to do is just edit ev everything I say out, so I wouldn't worry too much about saying um or anything like that. All right. Yeah, that's cool. So you always had animals growing up. I was always allergic, so I had uh, anti allergic animals such as hermit crabs and uh, snakes and fish, a lot of fish. Okay, okay. Goldfish, guppies, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I always thought cats and dogs were cool, but I never was able to have any. So Yeah, well, I mean, fish can be fun too. Um, <laughs> no, for real. Like, Thanks, man. I, I don't know. If she, I don't know. If, I don't know if she'll hear this, but my, my friend Ren has fish and she. She'll sometimes post about them and they have like, they just kind of have like little personalities and I think they can do like tricks and stuff for food. So I'm, just, I'm like, you know, don't, don't underestimate the fish. <laughs> they do tricks for food. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, wow. I think you can kind of train them a little. I mean, they're much more simple minded than like a dog, obviously, but yeah. I think I don't think I ever unlocked that level of fish keeping. Well, <laughs> whatever level that well, is. Well, Ren is a very patient and nurturing person, so if anybody could do nice. it, that that person could. But <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> all right, so let's get back to some of this music stuff yeah. because this is all kind of leading to a video that you posted that I'm going to get into a little bit at some point. But um, yeah, totally. So your uncle gave you an amp. What kind of amp was that? first amp. it was called an ampeg triax um and you you know what it's actually a pretty good amp i i saw one i had that thing for a while and then um and then when i upgraded 
I think I did some kind of trade in plus cash sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, you know, with his permission, cause I didn't want to bum my uncle out. He was like, I'd bought it like a seventies Marshall. And he's like, he's like, you found a seventies Marshall, go for it. Kind of a thing. <laughs> um, and, and then, uh, yeah. And then, but I, I eventually settled on a, on a blackface Fender basement that sort of became my signature amp. Um, I, I had the seventies Marshall for a little while, but I uh-huh. thought like, like everyone has Marshalls. I want to be different. So, <laughs> so uh, nice. I got a, I got a Fender basement uh-huh. on the recommendation of uh, someone in a band that I loved and I got a Rickenbacker. So I'm like, all right, I'm playing a Rickenbacker through a Fender basement. Well, and I was doing that at a time where everybody was doing Les Pauls and, and Marshalls. So, I wanted to stand out, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I got the amp. Um, I played it in a bunch of just kind of like whatever local bands. I, I think the first like real band I played in that actually left my hometown was a band called the Huntingtons. And I'm sure your listeners are aware of them and pretty successful band. And they've been playing shows again. And I still keep in touch with Cliff, which is super fun. Cause I, I like that guy a lot. You're playing in the Huntingtons. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty brief. Um, I was at Cornerstone one year, and I was just like every day, every day. I had a different Ramon shirt on, and Cliff was like, "Who is this kid?" <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I was uh, had demo tapes of my little pop punk bands that were also like pretty Ramonesy, and I, I gave them to Cliff, and then we just kind of kept in touch after Cornerstone. And then he was like, "Hey, dude, do you want to when you graduate high school?" Because I was a senior that year. He's like, "When you graduate high school." <laughs> you want to come out here and just try playing with us and seeing how it goes? Um, I was like, yes, totally. It's a great opportunity. Cause I was just like working in the oil change department at the local Walmart. I like really had nothing going <laughs> oh, for me. And God. I was just like, my entire goal in high school was to like get out of the town I grew up in and play music. And so yeah, I leapt at the opportunity. What was the town? What was the town that you lived in? Uh, it was called Forest Lake. Forest Lake. And it's, it's kind of your standard suburb now. But back then, it was a lot more um, your sort of your classic, just small town where you know if, if you like rock and roll and stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit harder harder to make friends. Yeah, I'm still kind of very. I'm just reeling from this information about the Huntingtons. I don't know if this is like something I knew and has also been deleted, or like it must have been very brief. Yeah, it was pretty brief. Um, I think I was out there for maybe. Gosh, not real long. Maybe like six months total. Yeah. On a sort of worldview, I think I kind of clashed with a couple of those guys a little bit. And I, th- <laughs> I think I think we had a mutual understanding that we liked and respected each other. Yeah. But but we might be a little bit too different to be in close proximity to each other on a regular basis, as is what it came to. You mean like politically and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know... I'm pretty freewheeling and and <laughs> freewheeling. Well, you know, like I I I live in an area where I I accept a lot of a lot of undefined grays and just kind of like, you know. And I and I a couple of those guys are a little bit more like, "Hey, this is sort of the way it is and, you know, like if if I love you, I'm going to tell you you have something in your teeth sort of a thing and and I think yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're just like a lot more conservative, uh, and I'm a, a bit more like let people be people, sort of a thing. And I don't, I don't think they're, yeah. I don't think like those dudes are like bad guys or anything. But I just sometimes I, 
there's just certain worldviews and politics and stuff that I, you know, I, I personally can't wrap my head around it. And I try, I'm trying really <laughs> hard to like have dialogue with people. And I've, I fail at that pretty hard sometimes, but like, like if I meet, yeah. if I meet like a Trump supporter or something, um, Ugh. instead of my, instead of, instead of my first reaction, my gut reaction is like, fuck you. you know, but like, I'm trying, re- <laughs> I'm trying, trying to really hard from the, from that hard line. I'm trying really, well, I'm trying really hard to dial it back because I feel like, like, I, like, I, like I'm a working person. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of those folks are also kind of like working people and like, yeah, maybe, maybe we're pissed off by about a lot, by a lot of the same stuff, you know, like, like we are, but I, but I think like maybe the, some people that sold them some sort of solution, got, you know, that, that I personally think is bullshit, but like, I, but sounded good. You know, maybe those people got to them first. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to join in on the class war, but I think that they basically to put not too fine a point on it got how I don't, I still don't really, it's not really clear to me, but got tricked into thinking that someone that was part of a whole other demographic from them somehow cared about them. <laughs> or or they thought that yeah. somehow he was like this self-made person that can't, you know, it's like he's just this guy that inherited money from his dad and all his business contacts and then went into the same business that his dad was in in the same town that his dad was doing business in. So it's like the classic silver spoon, like, but I somehow, I mean, he, I just feel like you should just hire whoever his PR people are. He has like the best PR people on earth because the fooled a lot of people into thinking is a whole other person that he's totally not. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of like <laughs> I've, I've been pretty fiery and I've, I've gotten into some like exchanges with people and I'm, I'm, I'm just trying really hard now um, to sort of dial it back and, and like not like demonize other, other people. Like ob- obviously if, if somebody says some like really, really screwed up stuff and that's like super homophobic or something, I'm not going to be like, no, we just should have a dialogue buddy. You know, like obviously like, not gonna get a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to set boundaries, and you have to you have to point things out that need it. Um, but I think your average person that lives in, you know, up north Minnesota, I think they're like struggling to get by, and somebody sold them some some snake oil. And so I don't want to demonize someone who who got, got sold some snake oil. I want to try to like understand them and like not forget that they're a human and it's really hard because because we get worked up and and we're, we're humans and our, our emotions unfortunately drive us sometimes and yeah i don't know i just think like constantly screaming at each other isn't really helping anybody so i'm, I'm trying no, tra- that's not i don't know what the right approach is but i'm trying to find it I almost kind of think like the people that are in offices uh, are often um, a reflection of the wider culture. So for me, I might not get in a huge debate with someone about who's running for president, but I will be very concerned if I'm at a local bar and I, I hear people that are 
saying some pretty mm-hmm. scary stuff about harming one of my friends because because they identify differently oh or yeah. you know you know what I mean so like that's 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 the kind of stuff where it's just like I don't I feel like I don't really have an option to totally like check out of the culture wars but I I'm trying to find my place and figure out like how I can be yeah. the most effective and and if you know maybe maybe if there's somebody who is saying some like scary stuff but I think it's because they got tricked and they're they're actually open to talking and um and they want to they want to talk to me if I kind of feel like a responsibility to my friends to like have those yeah. uncomfortable dialogues with with certain people that um might hold harmful attitude towards my friends mm-hmm. um so I, I feel like that's important I can't check sure. out there of course or if I have if I have a friend who's in, an easy target for certain groups of people you know it's it's important to like Absolutely. show up for your friends, you know, and, and just that's not really that's not what I'm talking about though. <laughs> no, okay, okay. I, I I had to I had to clarify. I, I mean, advocating for actual people in your life to me is not part of the culture war. That's like that's a, you know, it, it's when you're putting everybody into these buckets of you know whatever liberal. You're Christian, so you're this. Yeah. You're gay, so you're this. And then just pitting all those people sure. against each other in a very reactionary, clickbaity, no substance, no context kind of way that I am have no interest in, in participating in. Like, I'm not into that at all. I deleted my Facebook and I decided instead to just sort of like check in on people. And like- Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> my problem is I've just moved around so much and I had mine deleted for a good long while this last time, a couple of years probably. And then um, I'm back on. but. I've gotten pretty good at just filtering out stuff, you know. It leaks in a little bit, but whatever. Don't worry, man. The election's coming up. They're going to fix everything. Yeah. It's all going to get <laughs> It'll all be fixed. Oh, yeah. As long as your guy gets in there or your gal or whatever, it'll all, it's going to be like magic. Everything will be just fixed overnight. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've rabbit trailed very far off of the original uh, that's all right. uh, topic. I, I enjoy so. the uh, occasional rabbit trail. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's relevant, man. It's all relevant. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we got through Forest Lake. You're briefly in the Huntington's and then um, you're out on the east and then you move back or what? Correct. Yeah. And then I did Small Towns Burn a little slower. And then that, yep. that was the first band that was really kind of like something that I had not that I had not joined, but it had sort of assembled and um, was a main writer of a lot mm-hmm. of the riffs and stuff. And we started touring and put out some records and that's the band that really kind of got me to see the whole country and, you know, do the whole touring thing and become a uh, quote unquote full-time touring musician, which usually just meant coming home broke from tour and finding a temp job until the next tour. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Then what's like the thing that you're mo- international karate? Is that the band that you like kind of periodically keep doing stuff through? Like, cause small towns is like pretty much done, right? Yeah. Small towns was done a long time ago. Um, yeah. And I did a couple things. International karate is just sort of like this noise pop, like Mary chain sort of thing. Um, and then I did a band for a few years called mm-hmm. naive sense and naive sense was a very brash, just kind of hardcore punk mixed with noise rock sort of thing, like minute and a half long songs, a lot of screaming, a lot of uh, nice, you know, distor- 
distorted bass and then like but like Natalie and I so the singer Natalie um Natalie Natalie's like a trans woman who is like the opposite of macho like real like skinny um feminine and then and her music was really abrasive and at the time we formed the band we were like okay let's do a hardcore band but like let's break hardcore rules so a lot of the bands at the time that we formed were kind of like bodybuilder dudes <laughs> sure. in gym shorts and so like we we're so we sort of did the opposite and then I'm like hey instead of tuning tuning low I'm going to play a hollow body guitar and use standard tuning through a Fender amp and we've made a lot of d- deliberate decisions like that to just sort of like mm-hmm. be anti-macho um but it ended up just being like this intensely aggressive <laughs> um <laughs> super chaotic band it was really fun um natalie's one of my really really good buds so it was just super fun to like play in this like completely bonkers chaotic band because i'd never really got to do that before i've I've always been in kind of these, these poppy bands um mm-hmm. and i've sensed it really well and that was my main thing for a few years and then uh and then it, it just sort of fizzled out like you know i i have this thing that like the best hardcore bands usually have the life expectancy of a gerbil right and uh so 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 that band kind of fizz, like ended it's the rule whatever um and then <laughs> yeah that's just how it is we did a couple reunion shows you know like some um uh, there was a you know a couple benefits and so we'll, like we're we're still buds and we'll we'll get together from time to time if the yeah. occasion is right for it and uh and then like kind of in the last couple of years i've been playing a lot with justin from motion city soundtrack right that's farewell continental yeah we did farewell continental and then he made a solo record when motion mm-hmm. city went on hiatus and then uh so i was in his touring band for that oh, that's cool and then were you playing guitar correct yep is that were you out with him when shannon from the forecast was playing on that yeah shannon played bass i love that band i'll tell her she'll be super stoked it's always cool because like shannon is like super like rock and roll yeah she's just awesome and every once in a while on tour someone would come up and be like were you in the forecast and they'd be all like nervous (laughs) and she's like oh my god somebody liked my band it's like shannon your band was rad oh yeah she's so (laughs) So, rad those like her backing vocals on stuff like made those early records in my opinion yeah she did she did some uh, backing vocals with Justin with the live band for yeah. Justin Courtney Peer. I always, I always yeah, liked it when cool. she sang. Tell her I said she's cool. She has no idea who I am, but maybe that, as you said, maybe she'll think that's rad. Hey, Shannon, uh, Billy Pops <laughs> thinks she's <you're> cool. <laughs> and then you also, I bought on Bandcamp something this uh, with Lauren. You have the Overworn or something. That was cool. Thanks. Yeah, I've, I kind of wanted to do something that was just kind of like a sort of a throwback, like. There's a little bit of Jawbreaker, a little bit of Saves the Day, a little bit of... Uh, her vocals remind me a little bit of uh, uh, Caitlin from Reiner Maria. Uh-huh. And it's like, it'd be kind of cool to take that vocal style and then put over it some Jawbreaker-type music. So that, that that was kind of my idea for it. But I was just like, you should write all the lyrics and melodies. And then she would, she would suggest that I change some drum parts <laughs> and stuff because um, yeah, she has a lot of good cool. ideas. And so... We kind of we kind of wrote back and forth that way, and and she was producing and like having me change some of the parts too, and so it was, it was, it was definitely like extremely yeah. collaborative. Um, but she lives she lives in Denver, so we don't really get to. I gotcha. Like 
you know, you know, we don't really get to work on that too much. She is making a solo record. I um I think cool. it's gonna be really good. And then when she's when she's done with that, we'll see if we can do some more overworn stuff. But she's she really wants to focus on her solo record because she's been working on it for a couple of years and I introduced her to some friends. So like Josh from Farewell Continental um did some drum tracks for her. Yeah. And then my friend Alex. Alex plays in a band with me called Robo Sapien. I think Alex is doing some bass parts. Robo Sapien? That's epic. Yep. Nice. And then my friend, my friend Noel is kind of helping with some of the engineering. Like some of the engineering is happening in Denver and some of it's happening in, in Minneapolis. So the, <laughs> how do you remember all this shit? I don't know. Not I don't mean the bands that you're in. I mean like I can't I can't even remember like my own lyrics or my own song. I have to like do it over and over and over and over again. Like I don't I have the greatest admiration for people that can just pop into all these different things and then somehow like remember what to play or like whatever. Like what's your secret? Ginkgo biloba or something. <laughs> I tend to, if I have an idea that I really like, I'll do demo of it. Yeah, and I tend to revisit things. Um, you know, if I'm going on tour with Justin, I'm in Justin mode, so I will, I'll, I'll be like, all right, you play this stuff over and over again, or what? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him to send me the set list, and I'll learn the whole set list really well. I'll practice it a bunch on my own. I'm like, okay, okay. the band's getting together in a week, so I'm going to cram for a week. And then I cram a week. I cram. Yeah. And then I, I go to rehearsal and then we go on tour. Jeez. And then once once you do a tour, at least for me at that point, I don't really forget the songs at that point. If I have to play them again, it's it's more of a refresher. It locks in. Yeah. yeah but once I once I first learn the set, I, there's a little cramming. And then when I'm done doing stuff with him, I come back home and then I'm like, oh, Robo Sapien has a couple shows. I'll kind of have to dust off the brain there and kind of remember my parts and I, I do occasionally like screw up and start a song in the wrong key or something that's what i want to hear yeah. man tell me you screwed up <laughs> oh all the time tell me you forgot you got midway through you had no idea where you were or what was happening <laughs> well it's like the last the last show we played I completely started the first song in the set um like a whole step off key so it was just like whoop, nice. whoops um <laughs> I haven't played live since like the early 2000s and I have this record coming out and I'm planning to eventually play again and whatever when I get done with college and and I have all this anxiety about like can I even do this at this point <laughs> like, and is it all gonna come back yeah you know? you'll be but, fine it's I think it's thanks. I think it's like anything else you know you, you just have to put in the time you have to put the time in and practice and, and make sure everyone knows their knows their cues and knows the transitions in the set. And you just have to get that first show or two out of the way. And they're, they're probably going to be a little rocky and, and yeah, like just, just accept that. And then when it does happen, live with it. Don't torture yourself over it. And just like, why do, why do, why am I? I feel like I won't tell anyone (laughs) about any of the shows for like the first year. (laughs) If you find out good for you, you know, but I don't know. I, I kind of, I know it sounds sort of funny, but I, I sort of like having a bad show every now and again because it's it re- yeah. it's humbling, you know, and it and it reminds yeah. it reminds you that like, well, you're human, yeah, and it's, and it's also like, well, this is what happens if you don't put in the work, shithead, because like, you know, like, because sometimes <laughs> I think like, oh, I'll just I'll just roll up and I'll like play the set. I've played these songs a hundred times; it'll be fine. And I play a bad yeah. I play a bad show, and I'm like, no, 
You know, <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I gotta practice. I gotta be prepared. You know, I'm, I don't have superpowers or anything stupid like that. It's so like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You don't have superpowers. Oh, well, no, that's disappointing. I thought for sure you did. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tell me how you got into. So you're working. Is that your regular full time job working at this pedal company? It is. And what it like? How did you originally? Have you always been like a tinkerer person? Like, yeah, I've always sort of been the person who'd buy something and take it apart and and kind of like mess with it but i didn't have a very wide understanding of electronics other than i'd be on tour and the, the guitar is cutting out so i'd have to like solder a jack <laughs> i'd have to solder a jack because i'm in the middle of montana and no one else is going to do it for me that kind of a thing All right um so, yeah. so i kind of learned a few bit out of necessity totally yeah um i like to tinker and i, I would like to like mod things or whatever, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd circuit bend a little bit, not really knowing what the components did. Um, More just sort of like poking it with a stick and see what happens mindset. Mm -hmm. There was an opening at this company and a friend of mine was like, Hey, I think you'd be good at this because you like to mess with things. And, and I'm uh, kind of an introverted person and it's the type of job where you need to just show up and just do your work and and know what you need to do for the day. Yeah. So it's kind of perfect for me. I could put a podcast on and just kind of do my tasks for the day. Yeah. And then when I when I started showing an interest in how the circuits worked, um, the owner of the company would show me a couple little tricks. And then over time, um, I started just picking up a lot of stuff from him and then from the internet and then from this this guy KJ who who kind of got me that job there to begin with. And so I think between KJ and then between Zach Vex, um, I just started picking up a lot of stuff. And Zach is profoundly intelligent. And if if you don't kind of do your homework a little bit, you can't really keep up with him in conversation if he's trying to show you wow. if he's if he's trying to show you some electronics. So it's kind of that thing, you know, like if, if you want to like learn a language, you hang out with people that speak the language. If you want to get really good at a sport, you have to play with people who are better than you. And because they force you to like try to keep up with them, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. I, and I've been there for five years. So five years of being around uh, that environment, um, I've become, I mean, you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I've, I'm a, a, apprenticed by one of the uh, leaders in that business. So, I mean, the, that's so awesome, man. So, you, yeah, you, you just learn a lot being around it. But that, yeah, that's kind of my full time gig. And it's, it's pretty useful having a job like that if you're a musician because A, I can like fix my own stuff. And then B, um, there might be some like 60s fuzz pedal that I want, but it's just like, well, I don't have $2,000 to buy this stupid pedal from the 60s. So I'll just I'll just find a schematic online and just build one myself, which is nice, <laughs> kind of awesome. Do you do that a lot? Yeah, I've got a I've got a shelf in my closet of just a bunch of like things I've built for myself, just for kind of rec- recording or whatever. And then uh, nice, it's kind of nice too because it's like all my friends are musicians, or a lot of them are anyway. And it's like you know I don't have a ton of money because I'm paying a mortgage and all that stuff. But it's sure. like, of course, someone's birthday rolls around. I'm just like, well, here's a fuzz face I built to you based on the you know 1960s Dallas Arbiter circuit. I hope you like it. They're, they're, they're like, <laughs> oh my God. They're like, you know, like they'll like freak out, you know, like, oh my God. I can't, you know, I can't, I, I can't sell them or anything because, you know, I don't want to like, 
have a conflict with yeah. work, but yeah, some, sometimes yeah, yeah. I'll, sometimes for a buddy's birthday, I'll like I'll like whip up like some vintage fuzz out of out of like nice. old organ parts and stuff that I have. I've kind of I've I have like bins of a bunch of parts that I've um, scrapped and dumpster dived yeah. and and it's really nice. it's really fun too because then I I get to kind of repurpose and recycle that stuff instead of it winding up in a landfill. Yeah. I saw a red rat petal on your Instagram that caught my attention. Yeah, th- th- so they have those in Japan. Um, so I that's cool. I um, I was like, oh, look at this! This is cool. I sort of, I sort of used a, a work connection to to acquire one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything about that. No, I, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I called it a. Gentleman in Japan that we do a lot of business with, and was like, "Hey, can I buy one of those red rats?" Nice. And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yes," and I sent him some money, and he sent me the rat. So, red rat. There we go. It's cool. It kind of sounded. It kind of sounded like shit, though. So I, I, I put a different op amp in it, and now it sounds awesome. <laughs> well, there may come a point at which you need something that sounds like shit, and then when you do, man, you know exactly what to pull out of the drawer. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Actually, I actually have a. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a pedal. There's a local amp builder in Minneapolis named Casey Gooby, and he has a pedal called Bag of Dicks. And <laughs> I, I I bought one solely on the name, and that is sort of my secret weapon. If I need to do an overdub, that just sounds gross. It's like that pedal. <laughs> Bag of Dicks. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That's it sounds like the name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I, I noticed... Also that that um I've been trying lately just because of my schedule and everything like that, like with school full time and work full time, like I just find that if I'm home too much by myself, I kind of just get dark, I guess is the best way to put it. Um so I've been kind of making a conscious effort to just get out and go to shows and yeah and do stuff. And uh like I went to these against me uh show this past weekend where they're doing the full album stuff and um and uh, and I'm going to see uh, Sam I Am with this Boston band Moving Targets here, and that's the next show in a few days or whatever. Um, and it's it's kind of weird. It's I'm always glad that I go and I do enjoy it. I did. Oh, I also saw Mike Watt with my friend Dan here a little bit ago. That was awesome too. Cool. Um, always always cool to see people older than me out there jamming and doing awesome. But um, I did I did see even at the against me show I was like I want it for white crosses which are my all-time favorite records I was like I wanted to be up close yeah but then almost immediately regretted it because I'm definitely getting to that older like cranky like stage where I'm just like how why don't you understand personal space man I mean I get it we're gonna be jammed in here together but you don't have to be you know yeah it's <laughs> you know what I mean it's <laughs> the it, personal space thing <laughs> I do it's 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 a little tricky because it's like yeah, like you paid the same amount for tickets, so you want to be able to get up close. But I'll, but also too, there, there, there's sort of like a, I, I kind of remember being that 16 year old kid who was, was just ready to bounce around and sing every syllable <laughs> to the song. So I, I try to remember me at that age too. So if, so if I get some like really rambunctious person in a show, I'm just like, I don't, I don't turn into like the cranky old man. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah. This kid's like really kind of sort of getting on my nerves, but also I was that kid and look how excited that kid is. And it's kind of beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the rambunctiousness, I don't have a really problem with. Like I had this girl that had been drinking 
like just kept touching me when she had no reason. She had enough room to not be near me at all. Yeah. And she just kept elbow elbowing me and touching me. This is like when nothing's even happening. Like I'm like, dude, you've touched me like 20 times. Like stop touching me. Like <laughs> I went to a Damien Gerardo show once and Damien Gerardo often plays like very chill sets. And yeah, it's kind of an older crowd. And I, I got there and got there early and stood through the opening acts and got a pr- pretty good spot. And then literally 30 seconds before Damien goes on, this like drunk guy just like plows right in front of me and just stands directly in front of me where the back of his head is like Ugh. touching my face. And he's just like holding a beer, just like so nodding much. his head. And, um, I did them. I I was so angry because it was just like it was just like the rudest, most selfish behavior. But I did, I did the most passive aggressive thing ever. Um, the guy had a shaved head, so I just started breathing really heavily on the back of his head, and then he's nice. I was like, ah, ah. And then he, he turns around, he's like, who's like, doing that? And then I just like, I'm just like standing there smiling, and then uh, he moved, like. Passive, pass, yes. passive, aggressive behavior. That's a, it's a very Midwestern. It's, it's, it's kind of dangerous behavior though, because I, I feel like it's the kind of, like that could have gotten me punched in the face. But yeah. I don't under why do people think that's okay to do though? People do that at every show I go to. People have been standing here for hours, yeah. the openers, to be where they're at. And then you think you can just come walking. I hate that shit so much. It makes me so angry. Yeah. It's, Even if it's not happening to me, when it happens to other people, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah. Be a good human. That is not good human behavior. <laughs> if you want to stand in the front row, stand there like everybody else did from the beginning. Like you don't get to just do that. Like yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's pretty rude. That's the kind of stuff that makes me bonkers. Not the kids that are enthusiastic. That guy, that person that's coming at the last possible second and jamming past everyone to be in the front when they haven't been in the front the whole time. Yeah, it's, I hate that. It's, it's really rude. Well, so it's um, <laughs> there's obviously like exceptions to that. You know, if, you know, you have the you know like Sleater Kinney, you know, like women to the front. Like obviously, it's just like. They're holding space. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You have you have a you have a band who's like saying, "Hey, we're gonna hold space for a certain for a certain um, demographic that is often shoved to the back." Like that's a different thing. We're not talking about that. But yeah, just that nope. That drunk guy who's just yeah, that Damien Gerardo situation. Like it's often a dude. It's almost never a girl. It's always a dude. It's always a dude. It's always a dude. Usually Mm -hmm. a drunk guy. It's often two or it's often two or three drunk guys. Who are yep. who are wooing together? Um, yeah, I, I I think the people that are the worst culprits of that don't typically attend a lot of shows, so I don't think they understand like the etiquette of the subculture. You know, they're just yeah. they're just like I was surprised that was happening at that show, honestly, because everybody like cursive opened and through cursive, like people didn't even have their phones out. And I thought, now this is the kind of crowd I can get into. Sure, like everyone's into the music. They're here, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
it just seemed like a serious like music type crowd where you avoid a lot of those people that basically came to hear one song. They got their beer. They're already loaded. They're cramming their way to the front to hear the middle by Jimmy Eat World or whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I just thought this is this is the place where that's not going to happen. It's, nope. Still a few of those people here. <laughs> you're, you're, I've, I just kind of feel like no matter where you go, there's always just going to be like yeah. some asshole in the room. And yeah. And it's, it. a, it's one of those well, things. You go, I feel like you go to show all the t- shows all the time. I do. Is that, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because you just love it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just kind of makes me happy. Like, um, it's just, that's just what I'm into. I, I kind of, there's this weird thing in our culture where it's just like, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you like shooting hoops with the neighbor, it's totally cool if you do that. If you're like in your forties, like, oh, I'm just going to shoot hoops with so-and-so or, or I'm going to join the church softball team or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm gonna work out. Yeah. Gonna work on my mom. Play fun, fan. Spend your whole week playing fantasy football. It's yeah, and and, and like I'm a firm believer. I'm like, let people do their thing and be happy if they're not hurting someone else. You know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but my thing is like, I like going to some like divey little place where the PA is too loud and everyone's happy to see each other and there's some cool bands playing. Like that's my that's my jam, dude. Like. I'm, that makes yeah. that makes me happy, and it's and it's and those are usually the places too where like, I'm I'm kind of just your typical like, you know, forty two year old dude, whatever. But like I've I've got a lot of friends that, in one way or another, you know, like, are marginalized or, you know, just not not treated well by broad society. But they can go into these environments and and everyone's just like, hey, how's it going? Happy to see you, and like, you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, it's a community of people. Yeah, and and, and there's just something, something like good about it. Yeah, and that yeah. I, this, that's important. I, I like being part of that, and I like, um, I, I like participating in events with with people that just kind of like value value other people. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm. You were at a show last night. Well, yeah, you? I mean, I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty simple, Bill. <laughs> like I'm. <laughs> Don't don't feel like you have to apologize. I think you alluded to something that I think is true, and this is a good a good lead into your uh, video that I'm going to play the audio of. But I, it is. I mean, I'm 50, dude. I'm going to be 51 next month. I'm putting out a record, and and people just like they're nice and that oh that's cool. But you know, in their tone of their voice and like the way they're looking at you that. You're not fitting in somehow into a cultural norm, which is you get married, you have a kid, you get a pet, you like buy the house, you get the, you know, and it's like, really, Tommy, you're still going to shows. You're like, are you in your forties now? Like, why are you still doing that? I mean, that is a thing. That's a thing that's out there. Yeah. And, and what, and I think you're right. It's like, why is this looked down as something that's somehow, it's just something you do when you're 16 and then you don't do it anymore or, or whatever. I don't know. It's just weird. I have this horrible habit of, I'm like, well, maybe give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe some people don't, <laughs> maybe some people are just being kind of like judgy, but uh, like if if someone, if someone's like, check out this trout that I caught, I'm, you know, I'm usually like, oh, it's cool. This trout I caught. You know, cause it's like, it's not my thing, but I'm just like, oh, that's cool. So I wonder if they feel the same way. If, cool. If they're, if they're like, oh, oh this <laughs> Art guy just thinks I'm some stupid redneck. I'm just like, no, man, that's cool. Like you caught a trout. That's awesome. You know, I'm I'm, st- yeah. I'm stuck for you because you like you did your thing that makes you happy. So like, and you didn't hurt anyone. So that's great. You know, like, but so 
I don't know. I, I think maybe some people are just like, oh, that's cool about like my bands, where it's like they don't really understand it, but it makes me happy. So like, good for me. But then, yeah. But yeah. but then there are also people who who are maybe like, well, when are you going to grow up? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's seen as like a a thing that's for youth only and not whatever. But I guess what I'm saying this is like, I just watched that Agnostic Front documentary. They're 65, and they're like, we every year we say we're going to quit, but then we just keep doing it. And I'm, you know, like Dropkick Murphys, those guys are all my age or older. I just saw Jawbox, and they're older, and yeah, and they packed out a place in Brooklyn, which is like Hipsterville. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm encountering these people all the time that are doing it and doing it older and older as people are living older. So I just think it's interesting. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned Agnostic Front. Like one of my favorite. Uh, I'm not like a hardcore fan of them, but one of my favorite pages to follow online is Vinny Stigma. And yeah, yeah. It just makes me happy because it's just like, okay, like this this dude was just doing his thing, like jumping around, just being just being this like tattooed hardcore New York guy. It's like, yep. but that's who he's always been. You're like, why why should he so- he's living in the same apartment he's been in his entire life. Like, yeah, but it's like, why should anyone expect him to, to quit being Vinny Stigma? He's always been Vinny Stigma. Like, that's who he is. Yeah. That's what he's into. Like, yeah. or you know, John Joseph or any of those, any of those like New York hardcore guys. It's just like, I'm so happy when I see them posting videos and they're jumping around at some show. And like everybody there is just like having the time of their lives. And yeah, dude, like, I'm not joking. Like that puts me in the best mood. Cause, it, cause I'm just like, that's who, that's who he is. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't have to change for anybody, you know, like he gets up and he does his thing and it makes him happy. And like, that's his place in the world. And he's providing this yeah. environment where like a bunch of dads can come and like holler. And it's like, everyone's just having a good time. And it's, it's awesome and beautiful and it makes, it makes me really happy. And it's like, okay, I don't own a bunch of agnostic front records, but I like, I love watching these videos of them playing live. I don't listen to them at all, Yeah, but I watched the documentary. I thought it was great. Yeah. Man, yeah. It's, it's cool. I, they're just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I suppose, I suppose that could be sort of our segue into, into the little video I posted that uh, spurred on this podcast episode. Yeah. Tell me, yeah, yeah. Just tell me. I mean, it's great just to talk to you, man. And, and uh, you know, we have some history. We haven't necessarily been in touch over the last however long. And it's just been good to reconnect. And, and um, this video came across my Instagram stories kind of along that lines. And I just thought maybe you could just talk about that a little bit. And then I was going to play that. Sure. Um, it's kind of heavy times. I think we could both agree to that. And and I, I just try to talk to people a lot. And there's a thing that keeps coming up with um with friends or just different people I'm conversing with where they they're just kind of like they feel like they've missed the boat or they feel like they're too old to do something that they really want to do and I'm just like why why are you too old you know like um it comes up a, a lot with I've got a couple of friends who are just like oh, I would like to do some social work or just do something different than my job I'm like, we'll do it like what's stopping you well yeah I have to go back to, I have to go back to class I'm like well then go back to class who gives a fuck like yeah you might be here for another like 30 or 40 years. Like, do you want to spend the next 30 or 40 years like working in, in that factory? Like if you do, that's cool. But if, if you don't and then you, you want to like change things up, like, like just fucking do it. Or like, like I've always wanted to start a band, but I, I you know, or I want to start a hardcore band, but I, you know, I'm too old to, to do it. I'm like, no, you're not like, just, like what's, 
Like if like like if 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 you genuinely want to do it and you're not hurting someone and it's it's going to bring you some kind of joy, or or if, or even if you just do it for yourself in your basement or whatever whatever your thing is, if you want to learn, yeah, learn how to knit. I don't care. Like what whatever your thing is, it's like you don't have to stop learning because you reached a certain age or you don't have to stop having passions because you reached a certain age. And then every day is just sort of kind of grinding through it or, yep. or coasting along. Like in, in fact, I would say because of life experience, you're maybe better primed to do a certain thing that you didn't get to do 15 or 20 years ago. Um, yeah. I feel that way about college. Yeah, I totally. Mean, I, Nineteen year old me would have failed out of college for sure. Oh, t- absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I guess the thing that spurred it on is I, I had a um, friend who, um, you know, he's he's at fifty four. He passed away, and he's mm, sorry. It happens. Um, but thank you. Um, but I got to work with him a lot as as um, someone who produced records that I worked on and he's like mentored me or when we lived a couple blocks from each other, sometimes he would text me and just be like, Hey man, do you want to meet for a drink or do you want to meet for lunch? And it was just really fun. Cause, um, was a guy named Ed Ackerson. If you want to look him up, he's done a lot of really cool records and stuff, but, uh, what's his name? Ed Ackerson. Um, Ed Ackerson. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, he, he was in Polara and a bunch of other projects. Um, but, he was like a really, he was like a total like mentor to me. And and the, the thing he always drove home was like, like, you know, don't get, don't get stuck in the past, like keep moving forward. And it was really cool. Cause I had, I, I had, um, I was digging through some stuff and I found a zine that I, on um, one of my bands, I th- I'm like, oh, I thought it'd be cool if I put a zine with, that comes with the album, just as, as sort of a, you know, like, why not? And mm-hmm. I interviewed some bands in it. I tried to make it, just kind of like your classic old school zine. And I interviewed him in it. And there's this one spot where I'm just like, like you've been on like tour tours with spiritualized and stuff. I'm, I'm sure you have some like cool stories. Yeah. And he was, he, cool. he, he's like, he's like, Oh, there's stories, but I'm way more interested in what's happening right now. And then the audience is mm-hmm. like, the audiences might be smaller or the paychecks might be smaller, but I'm, I'm just so much more excited about what's happening right now. And new bands that are coming out now that I don't, I don't really have time to like, to hang out in the headspace of what happened in my life 20 years ago. Cause there's, there's too much exciting stuff happening now. And I'd, I'd rather be part of that. And then I'm just like, yeah. and I'm just like, God, oh, that's so cool. Like that's such a good outlook. And, <laughs> and you know, like it it's, it's, it's a theme that, that had, you know, like had come up a lot too, you know, just in conversations I had with him at, you know, at lunch or at the bar or whatever, but it's, I've kind of found that zine at sort of a good time where I've been having these conversations with, friends that regret things or that they they feel like they missed the boat in life and i'm i'm just like i don't know we can't we can't exist just thinking we missed the boat and then letting the rest of our existence here be a a fraction of what we have the potential to make it and i know that sounds really corny like motivational speaker or whatever i don't think that's corny at all but I don't think that's corny at all i don't know (laughs) maybe there's someone maybe there's someone listening listening to this and they're gonna go and they're gonna be like, you know what, Bill Power, 
<laughs> the, that guy on your podcast, I've never heard of him, but he's right. And they're going to like sign up for that class or they're going to. I watched that video and I want, I made you download it and made you come <laughs> on here because I want every person possible to hear this. That's how much I believe in it. I'm an evangelist for your video. Oh, thanks, man. And the things that you said. It made me think of this. I don't know where it came from, but I saw this one time that I thought was really great and um, just jumped out at me when you were talking there. Um, that it's uh, it said uh, it was probably some meme or some shit. That's my whole life is memes basically at this <laughs> point. But it said, um, why not is a great slogan for an interesting life. And I think that's like a really, um, I don't know, cool thought, right? Yeah, Just, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> kind of like jumping back to something you said earlier that like when we isolate, we can we can uh, wind up in some pretty dark spots. So like, yeah. It's hard to make friends as an adult. It really, really is. And so yeah. sometimes we just have to like put ourselves out there. And and I go to a lot of shows alone. Um, you know, like my, my partner, she's usually in bed by the time a show's starting. I'm, I'll just be like, <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out for a couple hours, and she's like, okay. Um, and so like sometimes I'll go to a show and I won't really interact with anyone, but I like really dig the band or whatever. But I show up frequently enough where like other showgoers are like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then like all of a sudden I like I'll have a little chat with someone and sometimes it's small talk, but sometimes I'll have like a really, really good conversation with someone and and I'll I'll leave there really happy because like like, oh, I totally connected with another person on a pretty deep level tonight. And we had this, this super meaningful conversation and just like drive home a little bit euphoric feeling like like yeah like you know like not everything is completely terrible and there's people out there that feel the same way (laughs) that feel the same way you do about some stuff or that have some concerns or maybe or maybe i had an attitude that was overboard and someone challenged it and i i and because of this meaningful conversation i had with them i can dial back that thing and then all of a sudden it's like like, yeah, I connected with someone and there's like less anxiety because of a really good conversation we had or, you know, whatever. But I th- I th- we got to connect with people. We got to try try to not isolate. And for, so for me, for me, it's like going to shows and starting bands. And if someone's like, why are you doing bands in your 40s? I'm like, because I connect with people and mm-hmm. and we are wired that way as human beings. And so that's kind of like why I do it. It's meaningful and a, fu- a fun sidetrack or a fun soundtrack is just sort of a byproduct, to be completely honest. Um, That's it. Um, but, you know, for someone else, it might be volunteering at a homeless shelter or volunteering at a church or whatever, you know. Do, you do you. Catching trout. Yeah, you do, catch catch a <laughs> trout with your friend. Like, <laughs> you do you if you're not hurting other people. That's just, that's kind of my thing. But, but I. That's it. I'm going to play it. Know. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> well, you won't, you won't hear it. You, you're not going to hear it. I'm not going to make you That's listen fine. to it. That's fine. I don't even cool. know how to do that, but and I was, I'm going to play it. I was very, uh, I was pretty sick when I recorded it. So my voice was pretty croaky on it. So I was like, hey. no, no caveats, Tommy, no caveats. Well, you know, the stoner voice where I'm like, hey man, blah, blah. just let it wash over you, everyone. Here <laughs> it is. All right. I hope this doesn't come across as some like corny Tony Robbins bullshit, but I think this would be really useful for some of my friends based on some conversations I've had lately with people. It might be very beneficial to not get too hung up on the things you've done before and then currently 
regret your life. If anything, the, the stuff you've done in the past should just be a reminder to you that like, holy shit, look at the cool stuff I've done. I'm capable of doing other cool things. Uh, personal example for me is at the age of 41, I recently got to go to England and play some shows. I think we just get too hung up on things we've done before and and then that's just the bar and we've already hit it. And then so the rest of our existence is just kind of like, well, I've already, I've already tapped out, I've already hit that bar, so nah. And that's just not a way to live, you know? And I'm like, a lot of my friends have kids. Like, wouldn't it be cool to, to show them like, hey, here's how you do some cool shit and then set an example. It just might look a little bit different now. Um, I can't quit my day job and run around the country. Um, but I can kind of plan ahead, use pay time off. I could sell some shit that I haven't used for like six years and put that towards a current or future goal. I think a lot of people think to themselves like, oh, I'm just, I'm old now and I can't, I can't do this. I, I think that's just a bunch of bullshit. Whether you want to go back to school if you want to do what I do, play some shows. Um, if you want to go somewhere you've never been before, you can make it happen. It's it, like quit thinking, I I can't do that or I can't afford that, and start thinking more along the lines of like, what do I have to do to make that possible? So it might it might mean like scaling your life back and not eating out as much, or you know maybe driving a a used car or something. But there's always ways to, like, if you if there's something you really want to go after, there's a way to make it happen. So, like, quit bullshitting yourself and quit being stuck on the things you did before and letting them limit you to what you could do now. Because, uh, I don't know. I mean, hopefully I've got another, fingers crossed, you know, another 30, 30 years or more, 30 or 40 years left to live, so... I don't want to sit around for the next 30 or 40 years bummed out and feeling limited and looking back at shit that I did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Um, it's a big world out there. There's a lot of cool shit to do and see. And you are the only one who's preventing you from going after it. I believe in you. And if you're stuck and you need some ideas, you can DM me and I will do my best to help you see big picture or think of little changes you can make to get to the next point. That's our thing too. Um, we all need to kind of have each other's back and look out for each other and, and share our platforms with each other and share our social capital with each other because what's the point of having some platform if you're just gonna hoard it? That's bullshit. We are, we are a community species us humans and uh i don't really like greedy selfish people i'm sure you don't either so it's like let's let's quit giving um leeway to that mindset okay well that's it for me right now good luck Good old Tommy Rabine, everybody. Taking her easy for all us sinners. Thanks for the inspiration, my friend. Be sure to follow Tommy on Instagram. 
at the appropriately named at Circuits and Kittens. Urban Achiever is produced and edited at Planet Fun Sound Studios by your host and friend, Billy Power. Hey, that's me. The show opening and closing theme music was written and performed by Ethan Luck. You can check out my man, Ethan, at ethanluck.com. The music clips on today's show, all of Tommy's uh, bands were featured today, including Refuse Resist by Robo Sapien, Sad Robot by International Karate, and Favorite Nudes by Naive Sense. All episodes of Urban Achiever are available for download or streaming at urbanachievershow.com. Uh, it's also available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. You can get connected on Instagram and Twitter at Urban Achiever PC. You can also email me anytime at billy at urbanachievershow.com. Show merchandise, including coffee mugs, t-shirts, and more is available for purchase at planetfun.store. All right, that's it, Achievers. That's it for me this week. Uh, the show is back. Thank you for your support over the years. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. And we're back. All right. <laughs> what a world, man. What a world. Um, any last thoughts, comments? I don't know. Um, 